Welcome back to the Foreign Desk. I'm Lisa Deftari. We are spending very, very hard days uh, here at the Foreign Desk going through footage and reports coming out of Israel after the horrific massacre of civilians inside Israel. The death toll keeps rising. We're up to 1,200 at this point, over 3,000 injured. And as I posted on social media this morning, here at the Foreign Desk, we've been grappling with the decision of whether or not to post these very, very detailed, very graphic videos of babies, of children with bullets through them, beheadings, bodies set on fire, entire families executed. We are still deciding whether or not to show you, the viewers, some of these videos in order to respect, give dignity to these victims and their families. But also, on the other hand, we would like to show you, the viewers, what is exactly happening and why the world needs to pay attention. Today, we are honored to have with us a good friend of mine. We've been working together for many years, Shachar Azani, who is the former spokesperson at Israel's consulates in New York and LA. He's a veteran Israeli diplomat who understands this better than anybody. He's a passionate advocate for Israel. He served in Israeli's uh, diplomat at foreign ministry over 16 years, London, LA, New York, Jerusalem, Nairobi, Kenya founder and principal at Fourth Dimension Strategies and a senior VP at JBS, which is the Jewish Broadcasting Services. And I want to welcome to the show, you to the show, Shachar. Thank you for being here with us. Always an honor to be with you, Lisa. Your perspective of the world enriches our world, and especially during these tough days, I'm following you closely, and your words of wisdom are an absolute enrichment of the public discourse, which suffers from you know, ignorance, but unfortunately, we're seeing also a lot of animosity and malice. Yes, a lot of ignorance. And, you know, that's, I think, the operative word here, what we try to do, whether it's at the foreign desk or on my personal accounts, and I know you are doing as well. And we had a few Fox News segments this week together, is really connect the dots for people who want to know more about the situation and don't. And unfortunately, there is high emotion on both sides, but there's also fact. And I think it's very important to distinguish between previous attacks on Israel where we also would dissect the facts in a way that was perhaps against world opinion because, again, of the bastardization of the facts when it comes to the Middle East and particularly for Israel. But more so now than ever, understanding that this is not color war, this is not Palestinians against Israelis, but it's the battle between good and evil. And this is a moral issue that people have to understand that if this were ISIS attacking the United States, if this were Al-Qaeda in 9-11 attacking the United States, that the world would not have an opinion of, yeah, but what about this? Or how about all the things that led up to this? I had an interview this morning, Shahar, and they said to me, but how about all the Israeli policies that led up to this moment? Nothing, no policy, no politics, nothing will lead you to behead 40 babies. That is pure evil. That is pure ideology. Shahar, I know you have been just, I know, emotionally slammed in the last four days. And this is something you've been doing your entire career. Why is it different this time around? You know, they, we are on a, just like you said, it's a whole different ball game. This is a whole different level. It's like, it's a, it's a car that's completely disconnected from the train. There is no way to address this issue in any kind of whataboutism, back and forth, um, you know, cause and, and, and result. I mean, none of this exists here. This is on a plane of its own. On one day, Lisa, just, just pause for a minute because I'm not sure I did. Pause for a minute. 
and think that 1,300 innocent civilians, people, mothers, babies, elderly, children, were butchered in one day, in a few hours, and in a level of cruelty that tears your heart apart, that gives me the chills when I think about this. You know, I looked at the picture of one family, and I thought to myself, here is a mother and a father and the two boys and the teen girl. And I told myself, had it been one incident when these Nazis came from Gaza and killed one family, we would have been devastated. So how can we even comprehend 1,300 of this? And, and you know what? I, I've heard this several times this week, and I really believe in that claim. I think it's true. When I say Nazis, and that's what I'm going to use as of now on when I talk about Hamas Nazis, at least the Nazis, the Imach Shimam, they tried to hide their factories of destruction. These guys posted it on social media. Who are you? Where are you? You are you are the enemies of the moral foundations of what constitutes Western civilization today. It's Israel just happens to be at the forefront. And you know, Lisa, and I think that's something that you will agree with. It was such a wake up call because I, be, I, I can tell you as an Israeli, my misconception, you know, I heard Golda's statement of if the Arabs lay down their weapon, there will be peace. If we do, there will be massacre. But these words hovered up in the air. I never really, you know, it, it, I never really imagined what a massacre would be or it was a statement that I understood to be cr true. But it, in my nature, I kind of believe that a lot of people are like us. They want life if we only allow them to sustain themselves. And then this happened. So I ask myself, when I'm looking at the different college campuses demonstrations, and today happens to be the great celebration of what? SJB is going to support what? And you know what? There is a part of me that says, good, go out so that everybody can see your ugly face. But do me a favor. Don't cover your faces. Make sure that your employers see who you are. The FBI sees who you are. Your neighbors see who you are. And wake up to the potential danger because it doesn't just happen on social media. These guys mean what they say, you know? If this is who they are, believe them. Right. But what, my question to you is, and you, you sat in those positions of, 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 uh, as a diplomat for many years, and I'm sure you had these episodes of anti-Semitism and, and they tried to say it's no, it's anti-Zionism. Now the death toll is going up on the Palestinian side. And I am, I'm, I'm bombarded with questions about, yes, but there's civilian casualties on both sides, but there is this conflation or it's purposeful, right? Obviously they want to be ignorant about the point that, they came in purposely into Israel to kill civilians. Right. In, in terms of Israel, this is a retali retaliation where the consequence are human shields and humans who are in, the, in harm's way because of Hamas. Why is this lost? Um, you know, I, I wonder if it's lost or if it's willful ignorance, because this has been repeatedly said. I mean, you have been a champion and, and explained this position many, many times. I know I have. So many of our friends did. I mean, you, you remember that famous caricature that always comes out after or came out after operations. Now, again, we're on a whole different playing field. Um, and you see the baby stroller and the Israeli soldier in front of it and then the baby stroller and the Nazi terrorist behind it. That's exactly what it is. And when I was asked on interviews this morning, you know, what about the humanitarian situation in the Gaza Strip? I said, absolutely. I would love to ask that question to Hamas. I want to ask them, how did they expose these, right. these Palestinians to these atrocities? I want to ask them, what have they done for so many years with aid money and, and building an infrastructure material that Israel allowed in 
in, and instead of building hospitals, they build a city of tunnels with missiles and hostages? That is a very good question. And then they said, what are the chances that you'll get you know, supplies in? I said, absolutely. How quickly can the hostages come to the border? I'm right. sure that we can. This can be reasoned with, but willful ignorance and the and the idea that somehow, and I have to tell you, that's my personal feeling. When it's the Jews, it's allowed. You know, if I if I as much as call somebody he, and they're not supposed to be, you know, using that pronoun, I'll be reprimanded. But if I justify or walk down the Columbia uh, University or Stanford or Cornell and march in support of the butchering of babies, you know, it's like the Cornell president said, you know, we don't, there are too many tragedies in the world for us to make a statement. Or Stanford that said, things are too politically complex. You know, Lisa, if we can't differentiate between good and bad, if we can't look evil in the eye and say, this is evil, then we as humanity have failed and definitely you know better than anyone, academic institutions of the highest degree, these are thought leaders. If they don't know that, what's, what, what's the education? What is it worth? What is it worth that they're getting a degree or a PhD or a law degree if they can't look at the beheaded baby and say, no, I'm sorry if I'm getting emotional. It's just, I know, you know what I know, Lisa, I, you know, we're speaking with a lot of people in Israel. And yes. one of the biggest frustrations is people want to express their pain. They want to share it with the world, but they feel that they can't, that they're not being listened to. And this is why what you do is so, so important. It's, it's amazing how there's such a hypocrisy, how there's such a double standard. Um, you know, I had a talk at Rutgers University in 2018. By the way, did you see, before that, did you see the demonstration in New York when the Nazi demonstrator did this? I did. Can you imagine, like that moment, that moment? You know what? It used to be my first, my first piece that I did, and I was in graduate school. They had me go interview a family that was put into jail in California because they had attended a rally of a group that was on the foreign terror list. Okay, and they were put into jail. This is under um, Bush two, the second term of Bush. Right. And uh, I remember doing the story and following, of course, the Patriot Act allowed for this, et cetera, et cetera. And now you watch the footage of these people head to toe Hamas gear garb, showing Nazi signs, basically calling for the death of all Jews on on New York City streets. And there's elsewhere, too. But this one got a lot of attention. Right. And everyone's just silent. Everyone passes by and thinks, wow, the Palestinian the political people. issue. Right. Exactly. It, you were. You know, when, when you think about this, you know, I, it's a great opportunity to, again, stress the point that you always make. We are just the forefront. The Jews are only part, are only the first dish. If you think they'll be merciful with any of you or you think that they love the American culture and, and American institutions, we, I never imagined that something like this could happen. I, I never, ever. I'm afraid that someone might wake up in this beautiful, incredible country. I don't want it ever. Right. To, I can't even say it. Right. It's true. And we've said, I said this in, this morning that it's whatever happens in uh, Israel happens first, happens in America next. You remember? It's like the Oslo Accords. Do you remember the suicide exactly. bombings? Exactly right. Exactly. And, who, and who, who perpetrated them? Hamas. Exactly. Hamas. They were the manufacturer of the first suicide bombings when they simply strolled from Judea and Samaria into the Israeli towns, boarded the bus, made sure that their explosives were with nails and shrapnel so that as many casualties as possible are there. And that was their industry of death. And this is what we 
didn't understand when we continuously allowed them to come in. But I will tell you, Shaha, yeah. the, one, the, one, the one hopeful moment that I'm seeing in all of this, the world stands back and says Hamas is bad for everyone, but they're okay for the Jews, right? Yeah. They're okay. They're okay. But if they, if, if Hamas would come near me or my child's school, I would be very fearful, right? That's why many people are now not sending their kids to school tomorrow, by the way, right. because they were told to attack um, uh, American cities, by the way. And you want to tell me it's still about a blockade, but they want to go after American cities. Fine. Right. Um, that being said, a lot of people inside Iran and supporters of the Masa Amini movement, meaning people who want freedom in Iran, wherever in the world they are, they're coming to understand that Israel is, is very much a victim of all of this, just like the Iranian people are because of Iran's support of this right. war. What have you right. seen? I think that the, um, you know, when I look at videos that come out of Iran, when I see the great disappointment, you know, how the West disappointed the Iranian people. When I see the rich, incredible history of the people of Iran and the embarrassment that has been governing them and tormenting them for so many years, I look at the Ayatollah regime of the Islamic Republic literally as a Disney empire of evil. It's they look the part, they behave the part, they yes. funnel evil throughout the region, they yes. destabilize, they have, they have, um, they have turned the lives of millions around the world into a misery, just a continuous crisis after crisis from Yemen to Syria to Lebanon, that's a non-entity, to South America, by the way. Not enough emphasis is put there, right there at the doorstep of the great United States of America. These are people who have no mercy. And then the butcher, the executioner, their right. president comes to New York and sits for interviews as if you can reason with them in some degree. Exactly. I, I, do you think, Lisa, that the world might wake up as a result of what happened to us. Is anything going to change strategically? Like no. I'm hoping maybe, maybe with Iran, maybe vis-a-vis -vis Hamas, maybe. Maybe. You know what the, the issue is? And we're coming up on an election here in the United States. But foreign policy and national security has never been a major issue, except except in the months after 9-11, which is why Bush probably won his re-election. But very quickly thereafter, people forgot. They became critical of Bush. They became right. critical of the war. They became critical of the Patriot Act and every tool that we had. Shahar, I want to get you know, to the transition, Lisa, the transition. You're talking about the Patriot Act and the U.S. administration. The transition from 9-11 mm -hmm. to having Rashida Tlaib in Congress. Right. Like, right. imagine how, how much we've gone. Somebody who can't say babies beheaded, terrible, an American. Do you think that's a, that, that I was talking to someone about that today, but do you think that is the American guilt about perhaps they feel that they were overly Islamophobic in the aftermath of 9-11? So now let's give and, and you see this a lot with the, 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 the luck. I don't know what else to call it. Really, it's sheer luck that the pro-Palestinian camp. And I'm going to say pro-Palestinian. I should really be saying pro-Hamas camp. I, I love it. I love it. You know, you're one of the few who gets it to such a degree. Just let's pause for that minute for your viewers. Yeah, pro-Palestinian. Pro like when pro you and I are saying out with Hamas, who can be more pro-Palestinian than that? Right. Out with Hamas is a blessing out. to the Palestinian people. If you care, I've been saying that if you care about the Palestinian people, you should be the first one to say out with Right. Hamas, right? But those who are marching today on SJP, they're pro-barbarism. Well, I'll tell you why. Right. In, in the last few years, since the George Floyd episode, 
They have fooled Americans into believing that if you care about social justice, you have to hate Israel. So if you're gay, you should hate Israel. If you're black, you should hate Israel. Right. If you are for any social justice movement, you should hate Israel. If I you're pro like paper bags, you should hate Israel. Exactly right. I know. And, and that is such an upside down world. How do we move around? Well, how do we move out of this? You know, let's take one example of what you said. Queers for Palestine. All of our viewers, just pause for five seconds. Queers yes. for Pat. Now imagine the pride parade down the street in Gaza. What's going to happen there? I'm just, you know, use your wild imagination. And unfortunately, wild is a is an appropriate word. So I, I can't. I, I can't wrap my head around it. I simply do not understand where has logic gone and madness came in. You know, Shahar, I want to I want to get critical for a moment, and I'm going to uh, be critical of Israel and you for a moment, and I, you tell me if I'm wrong. For the last more than decade and a half, okay, as long as I've been in the game and and doing this very heavily, I have had this criticism of of Israel, and I have told them up, up front. I've been to Bibi's office, I've been to the IDF office, I so many in, in Shin Bet, the intelligence office, and I have had this issue with Israel. Israel, the, the blessing of Israel has been to be resilient, to grow, to prosper, never be victimized. Don't think about the Holocaust. Don't think about the uh, ones who came from Iran, Iraq, wherever you were persecuted. Put it behind you, move forward, build, build, grow, grow, grow. Teach your children about peace. Teach your children about growth. Teach your children about uh, coexistence and move forward. Now, in this, we lost the PR war for Israel. In this, we lost the ability to show that we had X number of casualties. I remember several times that I had stories in hand and I would call the IDF and say, listen, I have this, I have the photos, I have the videos. I think it was about uh, four boys that were abducted by Hamas. This is maybe 2013, I don't remember precisely. Oh, the boys, absolutely, the three the teenagers who were kidnapped. And, and, I, then... and I showed this and they, they even yelled at me. And they said, Lisa, do not break this story. Do not break this story. Do not tell the world about this story. It's been a dis dis disservice to the narrative. It's been a disservice to global opinion. What do you say? You know, you can imagine that as, a, as an Israeli diplomat, that's the one claim I've continuously heard from many corners, and I get it. I mean, I get it that we pay the price by not going in that direction at all. But here is my, my thinking. I think that we absolutely should have mitigated it to a degree. We shouldn't have taken it to an extreme. And I think that when you're looking at the PR campaign now that Israel is conducting, it's not being shy. You can see on all social media outlets, we are being very you know, open about the situation right. because we need people to know. Having said that, here is one point of view, just an idea why I think it's worth the balance. We're not, you're right, we're not a society bent on victimization. My parents came on the, on the magic carpet, on the wings of eagles from Yemen in 1949 with nothing. And, and here I am sitting with you here um, talking about these issues. And we're not bent on victimization in how we view the world. And that's part of our engine. That's what propels us. That's how we educate our kids not to be victims, to be heroes, to be successful, to develop. And look at Israel, Baruch Hashem, thank God. It's amazing. And we go back to the paper bags. If you want to do good unto the world, you go to Israel. If you want to make a positive difference, you go to Israel. When you look at the Palestinians, you know, they've, they're bent on victimization. Like their entire story is, were these great victims. And, and I sat once with a business of, you know, with a delegation of business people. They were Europeans. I'll never forget that. 
And we were, you know, speaking about those issues. And one of the business people told me, you know, he said, Shachar, you know, I'm very touched by the Palestinians. So I'm telling, I know you're Israeli, but I'm going to support them. I'm going to give them, you know, $100. I'm going to see what I can do. But I'm going to invest in you because I think there is great opportunities in Israel. And I think long term, when you think about what's best for the state, what's best for our mental health, what's best for who we are, is to find that delicate balance. Of course, the approach of either or doesn't work, as we've seen. But some sort of, a, I wouldn't want to see myself where the Palestinians are when it comes to the mindset of victimization. But what we're doing today, I think, is, is terrible but important because at the end of the day, it has a very specific call. We want to make sure people understand so that when our soldiers do what needs to be done and we haven't even started scraping the surface, literally, then there will be an understanding that we need to finish this. Because you know, Lisa, here is what I'm afraid of as an Israeli and what we have told our government. By the way, I'm sure you did it as well. In rounds in the past, do you remember how people of the South said, you know, don't stop. Don't stop now. You're stopping too early. We're willing to suffer in the shelters for another month, another month and a half. Just finish the job so that we never have to suffer again. And our government kept on saying, you know, okay, we'll reach some sort of an understanding, you know, live and let live. We'll give them the supply. They'll be quiet. We'll be quiet. They'll govern. We'll be okay. And look where it found us. So I I am hoping that this time we are going to wake up with um, Hamas not existing as an entity on our southern border to, that we need to contend with. It needs to be gone. Absolutely. And I think that that there's every right in the world is given to the Israelis to do what they need to do in order to keep themselves uh, safe. But um, oh, you mentioned blockade, by the way. I want to tell you a secret information we got today. Um, that is something that hasn't been exposed yet, but I think it's this is this is a platform to share it. Um, there is a country called Egypt. Yes. And it shares a border with Gaza. I'm, I'm just saying, just in case. Please. please. Yeah, I'm just Egypt, you know, just in case, just if somebody calls. What's uh, That was my next question. Funny. Um, you read my mind. I want to get to um, Egypt. I want to get to Intel. I um, This is not the topic I like to talk about because I think right. it, we're, we're, we're speculating. You, you know better than all of us, but we're all, I think, still speculating. What happened? What happened? Why didn't the United States know? Why didn't Israel know? What happened? You know, to be honest, if you ask me what I estimate, and of course, I don't know anything. I know what I know. Um, I think that Hamas grew very sophisticated. They have the backing of the empire. I'm sorry, of the Islamic Republic of of, uh, Iran. They have the support of the Ayatollahs. They have a lot of money to spend, you know, the oil economy. And that money goes to where it needs to go. Not hospitals, not schools, not supporting the civilian population. Funneling terror, missiles, and misery. Right, imagine. And when you have all of that at your disposal, and long-range missiles by Hezbollah, and drones and UAVs, and you you saw all of the equipment that Hamas had, like tons and tons of ammunition that they uh, that they hoarded and hoarded and hoarded and brought with them, which they unfortunately and gorishly used. Um, so they grew sophisticated, and they knew how to hide their tracks. And there were probably very few people who actually knew when the attack were to take place. And we failed in identifying. And you know what? We also fell victim, I believe, to our misconceptions, to thinking that these are people, first of all, that these are people, then that it can be reasoned with. Like if we allow 20,000 Gazans to enter Israel. Now, Gaza is an enemy territory, right? They hit us, they attack us. And yet we allow 20,000 people to come out of there every day. Do you know I saw today one of the IDs? of the filth that committed the slaughters, and it was a green one with a work permit. Wow. 
or how many of them came to Israel to work, but actually scouted and charted the maps and used our benevolence to try and bring in money back to the Gaza Strip in order to butcher babies. That's what we did wrong. You know, I I still have a hard time believing that. And I know more will be uncovered. Do you think, again, this is my speculation, Lisa, this is not from a source, not from anything. This is my speculation. Do you believe that Israel had to be on its best behavior because of the upcoming uh, Saudi deal? Do you think that Israel was holding back because of Saudi's reluctance to move forward? So Saudi Arabia basically comes in, right? They send a minister over to Gaza and they say, oh, we're all for a two-state solution. We will always support you. You are our brothers. They go over to Israel and they say, oh, we want to sign a deal with you, but 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 pretty please be nice to our uh, brothers, uh, the Palestinians. You can't be too mean to them because it's going to look really bad. We're signing a deal with you and uh, we can't we can't leave them in the dust. The United States, obviously, I, I think would have a hand in also saying, please, Keep it cool till we get to this deal. What do you think about that? So, you know, keep it cool, I understand. I can see. Um, as far as being nice to them, I think we've been nice to them without even the Saudis coming knocking on our door. Look at our, our government's, you know, policy in the course of the last year, year and a half and beyond. We've always been nice to them. Nice, um, as nice, you, you nice know, to a degree. Nice. Like, yeah, right. exactly. We, we've always maintained that. We, we've never really gone and, and did what needed to be done. But as an Israeli... For me to think that if anybody had information that something like this was cooking and didn't do anything, I refuse, I refuse to believe that that's the case. Mm-hmm. We may have mis- you know, told ourselves stories. You know, we as human beings, we tell ourselves a lot of stories, just like you know, people who walk down, uh, down uh, you know, the, the campus uh, quad and they see the SJPs marching and say, oh, this is a political cause. It's got nothing to do with us. We tell ourselves stories until it comes to bite us back. In, in terrible places, but I find it very difficult and disappointing. And I hope that, as we say in Hebrew, at two o'clock after the war, we're not going to find anything like that because that's going to be really tough. Right, right. And I think the difference there is that the the uh, respect or the, you know, the, the honoring of life on the side of the Israelis, even one even one casualty would be something of, of monumental and, and national uh, right. moving, let alone uh, 1300 to let them be the pawns for something political. Absolutely. No, you know, it's I, one of the sayings of Nasrallah that I really, uh, you know, adhere to. And many, many of the filth leaders have said that the Nazis, they said the enemy loves life, whereas we adore death. And that tells the whole story. It does tell the entire story. Um, I also I want to mention because this was a, this was asked of me in many interviews today about the rumor that uh, I think this was by the United States uh, intelligence that Egypt tipped off Israel is being unequivocally denied by Israel. Do you have any more uh, information on that? I not, and I'm hoping that that's not the case. No. Right. I'm hoping, but but listen, was did we fail miserably? Like there, there is no need to even. I mean, look at the results. We 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 failed. We failed, and that guilt, those sites, Lisa, um, whether you're in government or a member of the public, we will never ever ever be able to unsee. And for me, I can tell you that I'm I'm looking at my children, and they're exposed to so much of it on social media, right. and that tears my heart into pieces. I know. I I know. It's it's horrific. It's horrific to explain this to any child. Um, yeah, I, I find know. myself trying to distract them, you know, and I in my heart I'm aching. But of course, yeah. I'm sorry that any any. I'm sorry that any 
freedom-loving person, um, especially those who are living in Israel and living through this nightmare has to experience this. Shahar, last question for you, only because sure. I know you're in such a, a position and such a bridge uh, between Israel and the United States, and you've done tremendous work around the world for Israel. What's next? For, for our country, for our society? Um, I'll tell you what, we have a great system embedded within us. We get up and we go. I have no doubt. I saw a beautiful, a beautiful story from Israel. You know, Kibbutz Be'eri was one of the places that was most harshly hit. Yes. And Fus Be'eri is one of the famous print houses in Israel. It's like a long, long time business. And the owner was already on the phone getting, guys, we have a lot of orders. We need to make it happen. Let's make it happen. You should see the spirit of the people of Israel in spite of everything. Even though we tear, we fight. We have resilience. We have strength. They have awakened a lion. They have awakened a giant. And they have reminded us all, Lisa, who we are. Because we spent the last year forgetting who we are. We spent the last year doing this. The wars of the Jews that have led to the destruction of our independence. No more. No more. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And when I want to encourage myself, I look at the videos of our brave soldiers at the front eager to come in and give them the bill. For Gaza will be no more the same it was before that horrible massacre. And I want to say that may the memory of all who have fallen, all of these faces that I dedicate day in and day out to look at them, to listen to who they were, to read about them, to absorb them because their existence now is through me. When I speak about Israel and for Israel out there with community and on the media, I channel Emily, who was eight, whose father said I was relieved to see her corpse because now I know she's not in the hands of Hamas. Oh, she God. will live through me. And my voice will be their voice of all those who fell. And this is how we're going to build Israel. A good friend of mine, Professor Yuval El-Bashan, wrote a beautiful piece in Yediot Achronot in the Israeli leading paper. And he said the same shovels that are now going to dig the graves of the corpses, the 1,300 those who perish, will be the same shovels that will plant the trees and the plants to flourish and our towns and villages will blossom again. That's the thought I want to leave you with. Um, Yisrael Chai, that's why the slogan of the State of Israel is that the people of Israel... Thank you again for all that you do, Lisa. I just want to take this opportunity and express my heartfelt gratitude, not just for this time, but for all of the years to stand by justice, to stand by truth, and to call things for what they are. That cannot be taken for granted. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for all the work that you do. We're thinking of all those who have lost in this, lost their lives in this very, very, very senseless massacre of innocent civilians in the state of Israel. Thank you, Shahar. Thank you for being a great friend, diplomat, and uh, please come back with us next week. Thank you. For those of you at home who would like to subscribe to our weekly podcast, go to youtube.com slash Lisa Daftari and to sign up for our daily top 10 email where you can find stories on Israel, breaking news on Israel, the Middle East, the rest of the world, go to foreigndesknews.com. Thank you.